Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Now you take, see, when you do that, it takes the video over. And here we are trying to do a professional broadcast, a professional internet broadcast. And that broadcast is called Movies We Like. This is the Film Board Fan Chat. I am Pete Wright. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I'm here with uh, Andy Nelson, who's uh, who's being a nose breather tonight. I can't even. Sorry. It's kind of amateur hour that we're running here. We also have. uh, (laughs) Just this. Welcome. uh, Welcome to the show, Mission Control. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
also hanging with uh, Chad Stoops, the fine and multi-talented uh, actor comedian. <laughs> Chad, Chad, how I'm, are you, my friend? I'm just ready for a mature conversation about this movie. <laughs> so, well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about your plan. I just want to see how it unfolds, and uh, maybe by the middle we'll get to the end. About the this movie, that's whatever very, it is that you're. That's very accurate. That is very about, accurate about this whole movie. That's pretty deep. I'm very excited to hear your your thoughts on this. Uh, Me too. And, I'm about as excited as you are. <laughs> I know what those thoughts are. <laughs> uh, we are talking Cloud Atlas tonight. Um, the, uh, Cloud Atlas, uh, with the the hit film, uh, with uh, uh, a hit film amongst uh, Andy uh, and his friends, <laughs> starring uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Halle Berry as a, a number of people and uh, creatures and uh, with uh, all different uh, uh, genders and such. And we're very yes. excited to talk about this movie. We saw it, uh, I saw it yesterday. Uh, and, uh, a, you know, we've been exchanging some texts, uh, me and Andy. I kind of know where you stand on this movie, Andy. And, and because you both... What? I know, You've I been know. exchanging texts and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even have slight idle chat with me before we came on the air. That's the truth. What is that? <laughs> That's the truth. I wanted to hold it. I mean, I, Andy and I already kind of screwed up. I'm very excited to hear how, what you think of this movie. I'm, I'm actually more interested. Take off for a second. You should. Get back to yourself. Uh, Andy, really? would you please, uh, you, w you know what, before we even start that, I want to tell you what you said to me. <laughs> I'm okay. going to quote Tell me back, what I said. Back to you. This is all good. Uh, so we've we've actually apparently texted a lot because it's way up here in the history. I love this. This is the review from uh, Movies.com. <laughs> the headline from Movies.com. Uh, uh, the Cloud Atlas review. You have to, quote, you have to respect this movie's enormous, ridiculous, mystical balls. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Uh, and, and so Andy. Andy writes me after, right after he sees the movie. He texts me and he says this, quote, I liked it more than you did. In fact, based on your previous text, I definitely liked it more. <laughs> it's a glorious, ambitious, passionate mess. And <laughs> I wrote back saying, well, we agree on one of those three. <laughs> Andy, please tell me, tell me what you think about this movie. I, well, as, as you just read there, I thought it was uh, glorious and uh, ambitious and passionate and a little messy. <laughs> I thought it was all of those things. It was a really, I, it was one of those films you really have to, as soon as it starts, you got to be in it or you're not going to know where you are. <laughs> and so <laughs> you really have to pay attention for the full, you know, nearly three hours that, uh, that is running. And, uh, and I did find myself like struggling to pay attention, like, okay, now that person is this person now and, and make sure that I knew exactly what was going on. But, but, uh, when it came to the end, you know, I, I found, I, I think what I found is that I didn't get, um, drawn in emotionally as much as I would have liked to, um, particularly after watching the the trailers, which I, I really was drawn into. I wasn't drawn in as emotionally or, or connected as emotionally with any of the characters as I wanted to. And I think it was because I felt that the structure of it ended up being a little messier than I would have liked. I felt like I liked what they were doing as far as jumping. As I mean, they were jumping from life to life. I mean, there's basically six lives in this film, 
and we're jumping from one to the next constantly. Uh, but at points, it's just the, you're you're in a segment for such a short period of time that it's hard to really connect and get into it. And that was the the messy part that I felt is I, I sometimes felt like I, I had all of like 40 seconds to enjoy <laughs> one, one like a, a 1973 scene before I'm whisked off to 2144. And I, it's, it's, it, I got all the information and I knew what was going on, but at the same time I just felt if they had given me a little bit more of that story uh, before whisking me off and, and they hadn't quite cut it to the extent that they did, I felt I would have been drawn in a little bit more. But that being said, I think doing a story with as many actors as they're doing uh, this with across six lifetimes where all the actors are playing so many different roles and they did find a way to tie it together and they made this beautiful gargantuan story about life you know, and, and you know, souls moving across lifetimes. It was very ambitious, and um, you can tell that the the two Wachowskis and Tom Teekfer really put themselves into it. And and for that, I give them a lot of credit. And I I really walked out enjoying it, and I mean had a lot of good conversations afterward about it. So that's where I stand. Okay, Chad. Ditto. No. I... <laughs> <laughs> Well and put. He said Andy. his piece. Well put. <laughs> That's it. Well said. Now the man with a mustache will say. <laughs> yes. Go no. I okay. Just um. Now you know I'm really interested in what you have to, as an actor. I, and by the way, I should add. I want to add completely unrelated. A congratulations to you, uh, Mr. Stoops. I just pulled up my Netflix queue and see that uh, Surrogate Valentine is now streaming. I yes, did not notice yeah. that before. It's on there, so congratulations, Chad's uh, well, latest, uh, latest. Kudos. Hit, hit uh, Netflix. And, and Have either of you even seen it? Oh, I know. Yes, Peter I has. watched it with you. With you, yes. <laughs> Andy hasn't seen it, though. I haven't, I but I, I think yeah. about and it. And now he can. Because I'm afraid because he'll get on. He's going to get on here and give his personal review without us. We're, no, we're <laughs> actually going to do a film board uh, chat on. Uh, that's Surrey right. Well, <laughs> with special guests. Except uh, you don't get to. Me. You don't get to be there. Uh, not at all, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So I'm. This is the, this is the thing. I'm very interested in in your take on this from a perspective of of an actor. Uh, you know. Okay. I here's what I felt, and this is this is strictly from an actor's point of view. But I felt like, in order for this to work for me. It was really hard for the other characters to be other characters because they were the same person, other than Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, I think, was the only, one of the only, the only guy who played different people, real different people. You know, where I he, I distinguished him from another person. Whereas, you know, Jim Sturgis and um, and Hugh uh, or Weave, Hugh Weaving, they were always themselves. Hugh Weaving, Weaving was the guy from The Matrix with the boobs when he was the, the guy when he was the mayor who was he in the the, the uh, nurse in, ratchet in, character nurse, yeah but it was always him and it was it was i think that's why i i burst out laughing in the theater at the very end when he had that huge nose on his face and i just, when he was, was just, you're talking about old georgie when he was old, the guy with the uh the, the, yeah. the, like the the guy in uh tom hanks's head no, yeah, yeah, the guy that like wouldn't let Jim Sturgis and his wife leave. Oh, time oh, yeah. you mean his father? His Jim father. Sturgis's father. Yeah, yeah, not the guy in this. In but like when I saw that, it just was ridiculous. I, I put it together that Tom Hanks really did a good job in in really. And at first, I thought, oh, it's gonna come across goofy, but really, Tom Hanks like 
really try to embody the characters and give them a, a life and a personality and a, and a speech pattern and everything, all of its own. And I felt like Halle Berry and Jim Sturgis, and Halle Berry really didn't need to do a whole lot of that. She Hers was more subtle, but I felt like the other people didn't, and I felt like it was really hard for me to see past the prosthetics. The prosthetics were a little goofy to me, and it kind of distracted their acting, their performances, and it was hard to... Uh, you know, because it's funny, you were talking about, when we talked about this, Pete, you said the prosthetics in Looper kind of distracted you. And I was watching this, and I'm going, if that was distracting, <laughs> I could possibly watch this movie, because all it was was like, <laughs> it was like, I mean, this could have been a cartoon, you know? It was like, it was just that funny to me. I, I There's a times I just started laughing <laughs> out loud in the theater at the most, you know, and I, I um, and I don't think that was the intention. <laughs> the more I watched it, I was like, "That can't possibly be what they wanted here." Please, please so tell me that's and... not what they wanted. I just, you but, know, uh, and I don't, I, I don't want to, because I think there were some, some, uh, at some points, the the prosthetics, and I think the just the general sort of latexification yeah. worked worked really well. I mean, you know, when I think when Halle Berry played the old crazy old. Doctor, the Asian, the Asian guy, the Asian doctor. Yeah, the Asian guy. Oh, I think right, that was right. that was really great. And in in fact, some of the, you know, in some of the interviews, when you when you read uh, Jim Broadbent, uh, or I think it was either Jim Broadbent or Jim Sturgis talking about, you know, their experience working with some of the characters when they were in really the full garb. Uh, right. uh, Broadbent, I think, uh, is is the one on the record saying, you know, I worked with Halle Berry as, you know, in this character for an hour before I knew it was her. Uh, oh, wow. There was some, in some cases, it was, I think, really effective. Yeah. Um, and that's why I loved it the, in the after credits, you know, when they yeah. show you the, you know, all the different characters that you didn't quite pick out. And, and now that some of those pictures are kind of leaking, um, you know, I think you get a sense when you look at IMDb and look at the cast list of IMDb uh, at just how audacious this film was from an actor's perspective when you yeah. look at how many characters everyone in this movie played. I mean, it was pretty, it was really from, from an actor's standpoint, I think this would have been a dream project to be a part of because how fun would it be to play in one movie like six or seven different people where you oh, yeah. just like, well, I, I think it would have been just a dream job. Well, I think that, it, I think coming from that it was and I think you could tell that they loved doing it. I mean, you oh, could yeah. tell every totally. scene that they really, really, really loved doing it even though I, some, of the, some of the things, you know, didn't... As an actor, I'm looking at it like, why, you know, like, the reason why I liked what Tom Hanks was doing, and it were a couple scenes, you're right. No, the reason you like Tom Hanks, because you you are a complete fanboy from Tom Hanks. I told totally you I fanboy Tom you, Hanks. So. I'm not going to lie about that, but I still, when I was watching Tom Hanks, I still watch him, and I go, okay, well, I don't know if I like him doing this. I'm like, when he first started off, I just, I, I thought it was You've really never said that. You funny. have never no, said No, it's not true. Okay, when we started, when I started watching the film, when he played that really tough guy, there were yeah, moments yeah. in the tough guy. I I followed him. And I was like, man, he totally is this guy. And then other times I wasn't sure, and um and I was weird coming from from watching Tom Hanks. But they had a lot of characters to do, and it was like, and it you know, I don't know what the shooting schedule was like. But generally, in a situation like that, which you have a lot of prosthetics, you're in makeup for hours and hours and hours and hours before you have to do that. So it's it's impressive anyway to see them actually perform with all that stuff on. You know, to actually see a character behind all that is awesome. But I think really looking at it uh, from an actor's point of view, I'd say, like, Andy, you're right. It's like it is a dream come true. You get to do all these uh, these characters, which you don't get to see if in your life 
you get to play one of those characters in one movie, maybe, and they get to do it all in one film. So yeah, yeah. totally agree with you on that. I think though that that why I why I liked I don't think some of these actors took advantage of that. I don't think I love Hugo Weaving, but I don't think he took advantage of playing those characters like he could have. It seems well, like he's the same guy. But do you think that's because of the nature of his particular character? Which I mean, his character throughout all six stories is always kind of the antagonist character. He's always going to be kind of the negative guy across right. the entire spectrum of the film. Whereas a character like Tom Hanks, I mean, he starts as a bad guy, and then in his next life, he's a little better, but not that well off. And then he's finally starting to try making a choice. He makes a choice. He finds, you know, Halle Berry and starts falling in love, but he gets killed for it, and he hasn't 100% committed. And then because he died after finding his love, then he's an angry guy. Right. And then and then he, you know, slowly starts, uh, well, and then he's an actor, I guess, because we see yeah. him in that acting scene. And then in the then he's finally, in the end, trying to make a change. But that's, I think, because he's, you know, probably maybe the protagonist of the film. I'm a little <laughs> unsure as to who really was the protagonist, whether it's him or Jim Sturgis. But Hugo Weaving's character isn't the character who's who we're watching grow over the course of this film. So I, I enjoyed him for what he was in all of the stories, but I always felt like, okay, here he is. He's kind of that antagonistic character that's that we're going to keep seeing. You know, right. other other characters, I mean, I'm using Tom Hanks as, a, as an example because I think he had the most change over the course of the six lifetimes, some characters were, were always kind of the good character. Like Jim Sturgis always was kind of like the good character trying to find the right way through things. Right. Um, and he always was that way. Right. Uh, and, but others had kind of a harder time making it through their various journeys. Well, and I think, like, you bring up a good point, but I think that, the, from again, from someone watching an actor do it, you can play those slightly different. Like, you don't have to play the bad guy so obviously bad. You can play the ga sure. bad guy sure. as deceitful. You can play the guy, again, or the guy that looks kind of like the good guy but is seething underneath. You can play it. And so I don't know if the direction was like, hey, we really want you to play it like this. Maybe that was it. So that you just knew because there was such a short period of time. And But, like, some of the characters, I just felt like... Um, uh, like Hugo Weaving's hair. I again, I love Hugo Weaving, and I loved. Uh, it's not like I, I, what his job was horrible. Like any of the choices that he made were horrible. I just felt like it didn't. Um, there wasn't a variety in the type of characters that he could have played them. Like, um, and I'd hate if he was on here and I was judging him for what he was doing. <laughs> you know, Hugo, you, you could have played those differently. But um, he could have, like, I think made it, like, you know, choices that I think drew us into, you know, his person. Maybe in some of the, some of the reasons, some of the places he had a real purpose for what he was doing other than just playing this antagonist, you know what I mean? And then, you know, in some of the, some of the areas, he's just, you know, he's just cruel. And in other areas, maybe he is, you know, like the father figure, you know, it just seemed like that was very similar to a lot of the other characters, just really, it's seeming like harsh for no reason, you know, really mean for no reason. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm not saying no reason completely, but that's, that's what I'm saying is like, and you're right, with Jim Sturgis, he had the same thing, but I think with Jim, he, he had... Um, this guy that was this courageous guy that was sort of like this, this humble Asian guy. And then he had another guy that sort of wasn't that courageous, 
and had to build up to being courageous. Like he, he's, they, I mean, you're right. He had a little, little, a little arcs in each character, but I can mm -hmm. see the differences in those characters. Well, and that's why, that's why, sort of the heart of the film around, you know, Tom Hanks's uh, old man, right? The old, the oldest angry man, mm -hmm. uh, and and Halle Berry's oldest character. They they really in the post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, fall of civilization. Uh, thread, um, you know, they end up providing the the sort of punchline to all of the other stories in in terms of cultural development, if if even not character development. Mm. And and um, you know, I think that's I think that's good. I I think my overall uh, um, feeling about the movie, and I, I you know, when I walked out, I was I was far more frustrated about it than I am now. Now that it's sort of aged on me a little bit, and I think it it you know, I was frustrated because. I have, I, I really have fallen in love with the book, with David Mitchell's book at 2004. Uh, it is a terrific book. And the changes that they made uh, between the book and the movie, uh, I think have made the movie more cumbersome as a result. And, and what I found uh, challenging, I, I think the book itself was a challenging read because uh, it is done in this sort of, you know, you have these six stories and it's done, each story is broken in two and you sort of get the, the you know, it works from, old history to the end days and then back down uh, to old history again as it kind of recaps. So it's a, it's a structural pyramid. And it, what works so well in the book is that all of these character arcs end up being just sort of nuanced. You don't, you really could read each of these sort of pairs of stories as isolated novellas. And, uh, and so any, um, any potential relationship between the story and the following, you know, the story you're reading and the story that follows, is done through this sort of beautiful kind of, of nuance and kind of guesswork. You know, one of the characters in the other story is reading a journal of the, of the first one. And, and, and so um, when it all comes together in focus in the second half of the book, you are left with this just brilliant aha moment. But at no point do you get the feeling that these are the same people. Right, uh, like in the book I, you don't. In no, the book you don't feel like that. No, really? no, no, no. This is the the connection of life through generations. It's not, you know. Oh my gosh, this character in the beginning is a direct analog to the character we're going to be reading in the next chapter and in wow. the next chapter. That felt to me like like Tickver and and the Wachowskis sat down and had a great big what if conversation. So do you think yeah. that made it more confusing? Because I think that made it more confusing trying to figure out who, why they were playing the same characters, I guess. I think that was a challenge that I had. And that, that I think, is one of the things that, that was, was really frustrating. The other p part that I think was frustrating from the, from the perspective of the story, which made this movie difficult being made, and, and is what made this movie such a challenge, I think, is that in the book, you know, the, the stories feel interrupted, but they're really only interrupted 11 times. Right. I mean, you're in the first story and then it breaks to the second story and it does it, you know, through the, the sixth and then back down to the conclusion of the book. But, you know, you get a chance to build up this sense of momentum in each individual story. And they are each such beautiful stories told in different styles, in different genre. It is a it is a, a beautiful way to kind of invest in uh, each of these lives. And so the movie. Go ahead. I was going to say, so there's there, the the book has none of the idea of reincarnation in it. 
Well, I, I, you know, I think it's a matter of interpretation, and I think that's one of the things I found myself writing about the book is that I personally did not walk away with this sense of reincarnation in it. Like, I, I didn't get this, you know, I, but I think it's a perfectly viable kind of, uh, you know, interpretation, and clearly that's that's what the Wachowskis walked away with. But at no point uh, am I, you know, I, I think what we're dealing with is a, you know, is is more the the cultural issues in the book and and the way our lives are interconnected is sort of the sliding doors, but over time, and um, so I I didn't walk away with the reincarnation bit. So would have been I, more effective. Well, you think it would have been more effective had they not done that? Well, I don't know, but I, but I want to get, finish my last point, which is on this idea of how how no, don't, no it's we don't broken want you to finish that last point. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right, this now. was the problem that I had with the movie, which was you know even up in the the beginning of the movie, I can you know the pacing was okay, but after about the hour and twenty minute mark, it, we were in a perpetual climax, right? We were in it was like every single storyline was finishing. And it just started wrapping up on this this wild roller coaster of you know line by line by line by line moving from story to story to story to story. And at one point, you know, Luis Ray is falling off a uh, off a bridge, and then it cuts back to to oh my gosh, now he's being poisoned in the boat. And then it cuts back to you know oh my gosh, look, it's some natives on a hill, and uh, oh my gosh, now there's spaceships. And, and oh, you mean you mean at two, you mean at the two hour twenty mark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really was thinking earlier than that. I mean, it just felt to me like we reached that this pinnacle point? in the movie uh, of about that hour and a half mark, and it started, uh, it, it started this mad dash to the end, and it was so frenetic that I, you know, Andy, I, it was right on. If you're not completely in it, you are out of it, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and so this is this was my initial takeaway. I mean, I walked away saying that that the, you know it was gorgeous. It was beautiful the uh the prosthetics in some places were uh, obscene and weird and uh ultimately it was really fun to watch these actors try to to um you know try to portray what they were trying to portray but it felt uh, it, just in general, the concessions that they had to make to the story to try to capture, I think, what they loved about the book in the movie uh, made the whole thing uh, kind of cumbersome and ham-handed, and I had a really hard time uh, getting to the other side of it. What scares me is I, I kind of think this is going to be the future of cinema. I think we're all going to go to movies and we're like, what was that? I don't know, but it was beautiful. That was really pretty. I don't know what they were doing. Like ten years now. I don't. I... Well, the, you know what's <laughs> funny like... is as, as we look back into the to the film board chats that we've had. I think they're all of them that all of the recent movies that we've done that we haven't seen. Yeah, uh, it, that's sort of my feel. It's always the same thing. It's like a script. At least between Andy and I, it's a script. Andy always is, I think, more forgiving than I am, and and. <laughs> he is. I, I am forgiving. Yes, but you know little, what it is. You know what it is. I think it's a little forgiving. I, well, I'm forgiving, but but it does change over time. I was much more forgiving with Prometheus, but now I I just have no inclination to ever watch it again. Whereas you, when I'm bought it, Pete. No, but let me tell you. Do you, do you want to know what I've done? No, wait. That's let me tell you forgiving. how many times I've watched it. I've watched it. Uh, I've watched the first five minutes maybe twelve times. Well, I never get I never get past the opening nature channel stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was right? beautiful stuff, but that was great. So uh so anyway, I I don't know. Am I am I nuts in my interpretation here? Am I completely nuts? No, Andy has a thought. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> thanks, thanks for passing that one over, Chad. I can I, tell you, you're breathing. When you breathe like a lot, I can tell you're going to say something. Oh, it's like your mind letting out air. That's what that is. Your yes. mind is letting up. So, oh, the oh, vault is opening. No. The vault is opening. Uh, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it's challenging trying to build a film like this where you do have six stories across six lifetimes and you have the challenge of prosthetics and you have the challenge of, of us trying to figure out all of the, the intricacies of, of each of the stories and how they're tying together and, and who's tying, uh, who's tying together across the different lives. And um, it, it does make it a challenge. And I didn't feel that, it started picking up steam and then just never let off. I felt um, almost like, you know, I, I was hitting midpoints and, you know, act breaks where things would build up to like a, a change. And then I would have another, um, uh, it would kind of slow down a little bit. Cause I did feel like you were talking about like the whole crash with the bridge thing. When, when the Hugo weaving character drives, uh, you know, runs Halle Berry off the bridge and all that. And we have kind of a series of, of of intense moments but i didn't feel like i was hitting the climax i felt you know definitely more like midpoint you know, like the things are shifting now and and then i felt like we did kind of slow down for a little bit and i did have a chance to pack to breathe a little bit i still didn't feel like i was would have been safe leaving to go to the bathroom i felt like i you know definitely have to sit there and watch every single thing going on because it is so um, Boy, that's a true complicated thing. That's way it ties across. Lever. You this movie you is can't. insufferable for the small bladdered. That is so I mean, true. You can't, you can't go back and whisper to somebody else, so what did I so miss? What, <laughs> did I, what did I miss? <laughs> I mean, that would drive everybody else insane. Oh, man, no <laughs> The slanty-eyed guy who's not slanty-eyed. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> the slanty-eyed guy. Oh, they were. You can't really call them. I, I mean, I don't know. I wonder how the Asian community is thinking about this, Peter. I mean, we both. Well, I know. Uh, There's know, a lot of Koreans that are out of work. There are there are a lot of Koreans that are out of work. Duna, what <laughs> what they did, job. what they did to Duna Bay in the final sequence, or or in her character in the the in the eighteen uh, in the eighteen hundreds, the Ewing. Oh, gosh. Uh, what they did to her was really, really uh, bad. It was farcical. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't look. I I could see what they were trying to accomplish, but yeah, that was one of the ones that worked the least for me. Oh, it was so he says so delicately. Well, <laughs> he says delicately. that worked the least for me. It, <laughs> yes, I agree. I that was the most wrongish to me as well. <laughs> I, I okay so i guess in a film like this i i i acknowledge the prosthetics and in some cases they're not working as well but i step out of that and say okay I, that's how it is i'm i know they're trying their best i'm gonna go with it it's like watching theater where you see some goofy things on theater sometimes and you're like all right i'm gonna just buy into this world and i just i i let myself go and i bought into everything even though sometimes i could tell that the 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 prosthetics weren't as good as they were in other in other cases. I I kept expecting the Hugh Grant character when he was the the really old Hugh Grant 
Uh, <laughs> okay. I With kept expecting who... him to like glow from the inside or something because he his skin it it looked like he was like uh, made out of plastic and I, I it looked like he was a light up a light up toy or something. But yeah, this was this was the Hugh Grant who uh, the the Cavendish Hugh Grant who uh, correct who locks who, up his who brother locked up his brother, yeah. which I think is one of the brilliant segments of this. I think just it in really general the the Cavendish bit is is per pitch perfect. Yeah, it is. It really is. There were a couple times in the movie. I mean, there were times because you know, interesting that you had thought that there was a certain climax, Pete, and then it kind of you felt like it was like it climaxed all the way to the end. I, I kind of felt like, um, like there were moments that I connect that I thought this is really cool. Like my eyes opened to sort of what was going on, and then it turned off. Like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Like I felt like. Maybe I'm wrong for even thinking that because there was a couple times when I was like, "Oh, this is a love story." When, yeah, um, when when he was racing with her on that bike, and it kept going between that and some other thing. It was going between that and and I think Tom Hanks and Halle Berry's character or something, and they were doing something. Oh, he was about to kill her or something. He was yeah, when they were in the uh, oh, they're on the rope. They were on they were, the, they're on the rope on the side of the wall, and I think it's that's the same. Yeah, and yeah. I, I felt like wow, this is a really this is what it's about. Wow, this is really cool. Like the whole stringing of two. I like the thought of you know people going through similar things in different times. I thought that was really neat. And then that only lasted for a little while, and then I was back in my seat again watching. And I, um, I guess I'd have to watch the whole thing again. Although I don't know if I could do that again. <laughs> I, I I I would definitely want to watch this. I feel this is a movie that I need to watch like two or three times yeah. to really start. I, I can put all the you know the craziness are, of the those cutting. are lifetimes, Andy. Those are two or three <laughs> lifetimes right there. It, it is. It's 165 <laughs> minutes, Andy. I, I, <laughs> Your children will be older in college. <laughs> well, I actually just I mean when I after I saw it, I realized I loved the trailer so much that in order to get that feeling again, I just came back and watched the trailer 57 times. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So Andy, here's finish, a, finish your sentence though, because you were I saying something. You don't know. Yeah, nothing. Okay. Then you guys interrupted me, and you it was Chad. Me. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, Chad. Hey, that, that's what it's. It's a knife in the back. That's all right. It was. No, so here's here's a question oh. for you though. That I, um, my wife and I were debating the meaning of the, the like comet birthmark across the six lifetimes, um, because her interpretation was the comet birthmark represented that particular soul as they went from lifetime to lifetime, but. Um, to me, that didn't make sense because I felt the actor represented each of the individual souls moving across and the comet kind of just ended up on the person. It wasn't always the person who was having the most change in their life, I suppose, but it was almost like it was that person when they were at their most, um, they were the dreamer, they were the, you know, the the fighter for truth and all that sort of thing. And that seemed to be what the, the comet birthmark represented across the time. But I, I wasn't really sure on that interpretation. And Pete, as the only person who read the book, I was curious if that was even in the book. God, is that weird that I don't remember? <laughs> it is. That should be a, that should be a significant amount <laughs> And this is this whole thing, you know, seeing the movie is really, I mean, the first thing I did when I got back was, was start the book again. Like I came back, I'm not, you know, there are people who are, who are cloud Atlas cultist at this point have read the book a thousand times. And that makes, uh, you know, I, 
I definitely love the book and I love the messages of the book, but I'm, I haven't read it that closely uh, and I haven't read it nine times yet. So, uh, but I started it again and I haven't run into the comet yet. Okay. Uh, wow. So uh, if that's a major plot point. No, Pete, are there other characters that are not in this film? Uh, but did they or did they highlight all the main characters? No, they highlighted all the main characters. In fact, I think they've in, they've invented a significant uh, you know number of there's supporting, more characters. supporting characters for the movie that that kind of support the stories, and that's hmm. to be kind of to be expected. Uh, um, you know, but that's that's fine. That's the that's adaptation. It, so nothing that that particularly you know. There's the story. there's less characters in the book, is what you're mm-hmm. saying. Wow. Okay. Less significant characters. I mean, I'm going through the. They've captured all the, all of the major, sort of uh, the major keystone characters for each chapter. Did so, anybody have a weird dream? So. Did anybody have a weird dream after I saw? I had this weird dream, Andy. You were in it last night after I saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. There was another person, another character. It might have been you, Pete. But you were trying to convince me. That I had to, I had to give up my name, my birth name, to get another name because the world was changing and there was a flood. And I think it had to do with the previews because of that one movie, the Katrina preview as well. But it, it I was didn't totally, see that. you didn't see the Katrina about the hurricane or the anyway with Ewan McGregor that's coming out. That's not Katrina. That's oh, isn't that Katrina? That's the impossible that you're talking about. Or is it the impossible? Is that what it's called, Pete? With the big it's not Katrina. No, that's, no, it's it's the one. It's the uh, it's the one Asian in the yeah. Or, I'm blanking on where it ha- where it happened. It yeah. was the one right after Christmas. Oh, uh, oh okay, okay. In oh, uh, in the where was that? Thailand, <laughs> the Philippines. Yeah, it was like Thailand or Thailand somewhere. or something. Okay. Well, anyway, that was kind of like that whole thing. But I that whole I dreamt about the it's kind of like this whole life change and about that whole thing about you know cloud atlas it's like the weird but you were trying to tell me and you changed your name to some strange name that was me no it was like um four five one (laughs) it was like it was kevin and darren stuck together and you thought it was a cool name it was like it was like uh karevin or something and you had this cool name and you and you gave me a name and we were going in this huge all these people are going into this thing and once you changed your name it was changed forever in your identity and everything was lost forever it was a really weird thing and i was sad that you wanted to do this <laughs> so I was gonna call you up today and tell you, like, I hope I, I didn't. I was so real because you were convinced and you were telling me how real it was, and and then nothing happened, and you had to stay with that name, and you weren't Andy anymore. You were somebody else. God, it so sounds just, just like, like Cloud Atlas. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just felt like I felt like this. I would like to read the book. I think that's probably better. Um, would be a better understanding. I mean, a lot of the things, especially like what Tom Hanks and. I don't know what was that pigeon language they were t- speaking or just like no it's it's like patois. A, it's just a kind of a vernacular kind of it's a just where tribal. yeah I mean look into the future and see how the English language language changes from how it's changed from now from you know two hundred years ago or whatever I mean it's just the evolution of the language right well it seems like oh, every once those. in a while they'd say stuff like you go true true and this and that and he'd cut, say a couple words backward and then he'd say something like but we have to go down there like i know that sentence. was that <laughs> was like, totally what? bugged me that was <laughs> terrible that was terrible terrible the uh, the uh the the section of the book that uh, you know you, you kind of want to go back to is the um and, and also 
the the way the movie bookends this is this is sort of how they they kind of shoehorn Tom Hanks' story right the that post apocalyptic story onto you know the movie in a way that was not in the book the book does not open with this discussion around the campfire with him telling the story it doesn't begin at the end it begins at the beginning in the 1800s um, you know 1850 uh, with the journal of Adam Ewing right and it builds up to Slush's crossing and everything after right and that is the whole thing from the voice of uh, you know this teenage tribesman tribesman right it is the voice of not of an old man it is the voice of Zachary this teenage tribesman in Hawaii speaking this kind of pigeon patois uh, about the fall of civilization and so it ends in the middle and then we back up and so it in this movie this is kind of what I'm getting to the the um, the how this sort of reincarnation thing it was was kind of shoehorned into the movie where it, it may have been a little bit you know a little bit more nuanced in the book and open to interpretation. They, they really made a choice that they want you to see in no uncertain terms that these souls are continuing from story to story and look at how intertwined they are. They're so intertwined that every four seconds we're going to switch back and show you how what's going on in these other stories. That was not the case in the book. Uh, see, I'll I'll be that's why it was confusing about the book, though. Did you get that, Andy? Like, I feel like just watching the movie, did you feel like it was hard to figure out if Tom, because because every once in a while they, they'd say these lines, and I guess from Andy's point of view, I was wondering what you thought too, because because you hadn't read the book, but like when he when Tom Hanks would say something, I would listen to that and go, whoa, what is he leading on to something he's trying to say? Like you know, like he says these lines that are in the actual trailer, like you know, I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've been here before, and it makes you think like, okay, well, no, wait, he's saying something that is he re- is he remembering his other character? Is he remembering something that he had in another life? Is that what this is? Because Halle Berry is remembering music that she had never heard in 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 another life. Like no, she had. She, had she? heard. Yeah, she when she was the composer's wife. Oh, she, she the heard. She wife. was the composer's right. wife, right? Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay, because I think I think I didn't get that the whole. Well, thing. and that was one of the most interesting things in the movie about Halle Berry's character is the way you know when you look at how her character. When you talked, you guys were talking about the sort of evolution piece, right? The kind of cultural evolution of each of these characters, and Halle Berry starts as the tribeswoman. Uh, right. And and you know then she's sort of the subservient wife and then she's the independent reporter and then you know she ends up being kind of a you know a leader of the post-apocalyptic future society and and um, you know she ends up playing I think one of the most interesting um, kind of linear arcs of of uh, character development from a cultural context I thought hers was was a really terrific one to watch yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, hers was really interesting. I enjoy, I enjoyed watching her in all of her scenes, particularly the '73 version, uh, just because she was a great, strong character, and uh, it also had such a great '70s vibe. Oh, they did a great that job. That sort of California noir thing. I mean, I thought it was a total '70s detective stuff going on, even the music and everything. But so, which what was it? Was that your that was your favorite of the stories? Of hers? No, just of the six. Like, if you had to, to land on and, and no, say, I, what's my favorite and why? I, I, I felt the the story of the composer um, felt like it got a little bit of the short shaft. 
like I felt that um, I got to look at the guy's name. Um, Robert Frobisher and uh... yeah, uh, Frobisher. Um, I felt he got a little bit. His character seemed like such an interesting character, uh, Ben Wishaw, um, but he didn't end up. Um, like there was that moment after he wrote the Cloud Atlas sextet, and he's playing it for Jim Broadbent's character, and it's it you know he starts talking about this this conversation about the music and how there's this connection between them and all that stuff, and and he thinks that you know Jim Broadbent is seeing him for who he is, and there's this rom romantic connection between the two, and then Jim Broadbent kind of laughs in his face. Uh, that was like a character moment that I felt never got developed at all. And for me, it came out of left field that he ever felt any attraction to Jim Broadbent's character because I was like, well, I, I mean, I, I knew he was gay, but um, he had his gay lover. He was also kind of just sleeping with the wife. I, there was never any development in that aspect of the story that he was also developing any sort of attraction for Jim Broadbent's character. So that completely came out of left field for me. And I felt like that was something that really should have had some more development in the story. Which I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, it's a real shame because what they did extremely well, I thought, was develop their sort of working relationship, you know, I, I yeah. think with a this sort of keen biting wit and dialogue that I thought yeah. was really interesting to look at. It was, yeah. it was. So that story, um, you know, that was that my issues with that story. I liked the the story, um, the very first story, the 1800s with uh, Jim Sturgis in the, on the boat. I enjoyed that one. Um, it it seemed pretty straightforward to me. I think for me, the one that the the two that really stood out was the 2144 uh, future soul story. Uh, because I felt Duna Bay and Jim Sturgis and their relationship was so strong. I was just so in with them. Every time I was watching those two characters, I was so connected all the time to them. And I absolutely loved that story. Um, same thing with the, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say same thing, but I did really enjoy the Tom Hanks, um, Halle Berry story in the far future. Um, I, I wasn't as connected to the characters. I enjoyed them. But I, I kept asking myself, why was Hugo Weaving, who is a soul, moving across? Why is all of a sudden he like a figment of an imagination? That Like that to me didn't make any sense, that he's like this green um, demon in Tom Hanks's head. Um, other than that, I, I did enjoy their story quite a bit. But for me, it was all about 2144. Chad, what, are you about, what about you? Uh yeah, um, <laughs> I think you know the I I I guess I did like twenty one forty four. I like the future. I I don't know if I if I necessarily I connected more with Dune with what's her name Dune Bay Dune Bay yeah Dune I connected Bay. more with her than I did with Jim. Um, I didn't understand Jim's desire for her particularly but i understood her character more and i understood her journey with jim i didn't understand i i watching jim's character there it seemed a little bit like he was there he was the hero um but she was a number like and so it was kind of weird that i don't i i didn't quite follow his character as much as i kind of enjoyed watching her character like figure out who she was going to be in this new world and stuff and all the things she had to learn in life and stuff for her um, and it was it was neat that she and I felt like coming from her side, I kept watching how 
neat it was for her to fall in love with this guy who was committed to being with her. I thought that was like nothing more than just to be, you know, help her out and, and he, you know, loving her. And, but I, I didn't like see as much. I, I really enjoyed, um, I think the thing that made me care about Jim was the story. Was it 19, was it uh, the 1800s or where were they? 1928? No. It was like the, the on the boat? The boat. Now that was way back, right? That was before Christ or something. It was like. No, no, no. It was like 18, this is like the 18, 70s or something wasn't 18, it? 70, okay, it was a long, long time ago. Um, but uh, I really liked Jim Sturgis's character there because I felt like in watching that character, even though I didn't understand his character in the future, I felt like if that was his character, that that made sense and I could understand that love story. I didn't understand his love story in the future, but I did understand how he could love that woman in the past, and I think that's what connected that those two characters for me, which was interesting that they did that. I didn't, um, and I think I think a couple characters kind of did that for me, like Tom Hanks's character. Um, you know, there are a couple of moments I just didn't understand. And he, right, he was he played such a variety of characters. It was hard to, you know, like Hugo Weaving's character being in there. I didn't understand the point of that, other than maybe that was his, you know, that was the guy that he battled through his whole life. You know, I think Hugo Weaving's character is probably the guy that was in his head his whole life. The guy that was. You know, and he was the bad guy, and he decided to do the wrong things. And when he was sort of the good guy when uh, in the 1800s, and, and then he turns out to be the bad guy because he wants the gold, you know, that's kind of like almost like the decision that he makes whether to agree with the green goblin guy in his head or not. You know, that's, that's what, that, I think that's what represented Hugo Weaving to me in that, in that instance. Although it seemed really silly, and I didn't, you know, I, I got the point of it, but it was so bizarre that that character wasn't anywhere else. And I think that's where it was kind of confusing. Um, but I, I, I did like Jim and I did like Tom a lot. And Halle Berry did an excellent job. And I think I'd have to agree with Andy. 1973 was the most intriguing to me to watch uh, as far as like just the time period. And uh, I connected with that really well. Um, and and the, the futuristic one. So, yeah. So. And, and I, I, oh, sorry. No, sorry to interrupt. But I, I just want to say that the 2012 story, I also... I also completely loved, and I think that was just because it was so so much more jovial than the rest, with Jim Broadbent and the, yeah. the breakout. But I did enjoy that one quite a bit. It always that one always made for a nice break. Yeah, that was exactly that was kind of like okay, that was a very easy to get into story. It didn't it didn't feel like you had to deal with the complexities. Okay, so I just want to say that you know that thing before where I said I must not have read the book very closely. Uh, that's really very true. That's really accurate. And I'm going to read a quote that represents how I must have missed some pretty significant parts. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, David Mitchell, uh, this is David Mitchell speaking, the writer. Uh, <laughs> quote, literally, <laughs> it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me to get it out. Uh, literally, <laughs> he it, says, literally all the main characters except one are reincarnations of the same soul in different bodies throughout the novel, identified by a birthmark that is just a symbol, really, of the universality of human nature. The title itself, Cloud Atlas, the cloud refers to the ever-changing manifestations of the atlas, which is the fixed human nature, which is always thus and ever shall be. So the book's theme is predacity, the way individuals prey on individuals, groups on groups, nations on nations, tribes on tribes. So I just take this theme and, in a sense, reincarnate that, that theme in another context. 
which is I find really interesting that I could read this book and I'm not you know I'm not a terrible reader but what I took out of it was all the predacity stuff and I didn't I don't come at it with a a particular uh you know bent on reincarnation so I mean I just missed it I just plum missed it. To me, the beauty of the story was in, in, for my interpretation, was in just sort of the dance of events that would cause, you know, this this journal to be read by this next generation, and for Sixsmith to end up being the nuclear guy, and for for all these just sort of wonderful cosmic accidents, I thought were really quite beautiful. And I, I guess I didn't want to read into the reincarnation stuff at all, but birthmark is there. And now I really need to read it again. And was he saying that the birthmark represents the person, the same person's journey? He literally, this is again, literally all the main characters except one are reincarnations of the same soul in different bodies throughout the novel, identified Ah. by a birthmark. So that's why, you know, you'll get Halle Berry's character in one not show up in Halle Berry in the next one, may show up in Tom Hanks. Mm Mm-hmm. So interesting that you just, I mean, to your point that just led lends even more credence to needing to see this movie again. Yeah, again, I totally think so. Because now it's a puzzle. Now it's, it's trying to figure that out because I, you know, in my first read of the book, I'm reading it again immediately because I, I feel like I, I missed a whole layer that just because I'm walked in with a belief system that didn't, wasn't, you know, sure. looking for that. And you're so strong on that belief system and we all I'm, believe you. No, you know, and that's what gets to my other point about the two pieces that I think were the most interesting to me was uh, were the first and the and the um, the the first one dealing with uh, Ewing and the Maori uh, and the and the slaves, and the uh, the future, right? I mean, uh, where you're looking at New Korea or New Seoul, uh, dealing again with this sort of slave caste, and I thought those two were were so beautifully. Uh, architected by telling through these different genre uh, how we have really learned nothing. Yeah. Right? I mean, that we're doing exactly the same thing. The only difference now is that we are creating these beings and then enslaving them rather than, than you know, enslaving them uh, outright for right. no other, with no other justification. And, and somehow that makes it even okay. And I thought that, that I, I mean, to your point, that the relationship between, uh, you know, Duna Bay and Jim Sturgis was so powerful in, and her transformation as an artificial intelligence uh, to an intelligence in mm-hmm. the course of her gaining her freedom, I thought was an absolutely brilliant transformation. I thought she did that so, so well. Uh, and, and, uh, and then rising up through history uh, when you go back to kind of the fall of civilization as this god figure that is contested by mm-hmm. Halle Berry's character, I thought was a fantastic turn of, of events where you actually see kind of what historical elements lead to, you know, these savior belief systems. When in fact, looking at what she did in New Soul, she in, probably was a, a savior factor. We never actually see that play out. Right, right. Uh, but it was, I thought it was just a really, uh, those those three pieces and the way they tie together over time, I thought were really beautiful um, yeah. and were definitely my favorites. Wait, which yeah. three pieces, which three were those? Again? The, the, the open, the Ewing journal, uh, where we're on the boat and dealing with slaves and he finds the, you know, the Maori uh, slave in his cabin. Right, right. 
Surprise. Uh, you know, I thought that story was was wonderful, and yeah. and I thought they told that really well in the in the movie. I loved when he has to hoist the mainsail, and, and that was I awesome. That was so yeah. great. But I think so that's awesome. like that's where I felt for Jim because I think Jim's character, even though he was a different character in the future, I think I really got to, I felt like I understood. I, I mean, the, it's more about him there yeah and i think that's where it's it made it i understood him his sincerity which was who he really was in the future he just like had all the like bruce willis moves or something because he like <laughs> could do whatever no one he'd fall five thousand feet and come back when she said like who are you i was like yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> who are you <laughs> i'm korean man yeah i know Jim I'm just gongnam style <laughs> yeah I'm Jim Sturgis. I was in 21, which kept us spacey in the past. But, um, yeah, I think that was like, and that was a really in- intense scene with him up there on that thing. I thought that was very important to have that scene because even though, because his character in the past was not that brave guy in the future. You know, he was this no. timid guy, but had, had the power of being, you know, ethnically what he was in the time so he could you know but he was in the situation he couldn't stand up for himself like he wanted to and, and it was because of his friendship with the other person with the other you know with what, yeah. what was the guy the other character's name you're talking about Sixsmith? smith was that his name the guy with the guy they were shooting at the the guy they were shooting at oh in, the the slave yeah the slave guy what was his name atwa atwa yeah yeah so I just thought that was a really great that was great for Jim to play. That was really smart of the Wachowski brothers to play have that have him reveal his character through there because I I definitely had more more compat more understanding cuz if you just watch the future one it's weird watching Jim because he's doing this whole thing where he's kind he's like this cuz I mean we spent some time we all three spent some time you know, in Korea, and there's a definitely a very humble, you know, nature there. There's like this certain way about the culture there, and um, but you know, with Jim, it just it came across as I didn't understand why he was doing really what he was doing. You know, um, I think in that situation, but I felt like it sort of helped me knowing his character from the past. But I think just watching the future and his character in particular, I didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't understand why he was saving her other than it felt like a Neo moment, like you're the one, you're the chosen one kind of thing. And it, it had that feel to the Matrix kind of feel to it. Right. But, Which, but I don't know, is that, was that the point of it? How did they know that she was the one? Like, I guess I didn't get that. Well, uh, that seemed to me like one of those elements of the story that we just almost, it was they, she was so brought in to that whole world late and they had already kind of done all the figuring out, you know, that whole underground movement had done the whole figuring out. Okay. She's the one, she's the replicant who, or not replicant, whatever they called them. What did they call them? Replicants? I can't remember what they called these artificial people. Oh, the servers. But, yeah. The yeah, Papasan servers. Uh, yeah. The little servants or whatever, but she, um, she was, somehow, an, oh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, it's going go ahead. It'll come to me. Yeah. But they, they, <laughs> he said something how they had, um, fabricant fabricants. Thank you. They had Fabricant. figured out that she was the one that was different. Like somehow when they created this one, there was something different about her. And it was just one of those moments where I, I didn't know if it was, there was more to it in the book, as far as 
how they came came about to it. But to me, it was that was very much a MacGuffin as far as okay, yeah, we don't really need to know how they figured out she was the one, but they obviously right. figured it out and and yeah. went to these great lengths to track her down and get her. And so, what ends I, up being even more important is that um, you know she ends up going on this path of ascendance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, so the movie is uh we've got we've got look at my look at my timer. Oh yes. We've done right. like thirty seconds. We've done about four minutes and, right. and so we've gotta wrap it up. This is an effort to, to you know Streaming. well an effort to be on time. Uh, right. and and so uh you know the movie is uh, apparently not doing uh as well maybe as they had hoped in its uh, opening weekend so far. Argo it looks like is still ahead. Uh, so we'll see on you know Monday. Is it Monday, Andy? When they usually start looking at opening weekends, do we wait? Yeah, Monday? they'll wait. They'll they'll start pulling stuff out on Sunday, but um, but they really wait until Monday to finalize, kind of give the official results from the weekend. Well, you know what I you know what I think I find I I really do love about this movie, and I think this is this may be what I um, well I, I love that uh, there is uh, there is a set of people making movies that are willing to take this kind of risk with this kind of uh, material. Just, I mean, I definitely had trouble with it, uh, trouble getting through it, but it's a hundred million dollars that they spent on something that will be, you know, I I think it'll be a movie for, for the times. I mean, I still think there's a lot we can learn about, uh, you know, from about the nature of, you know, what they did really well and what they did that, that doesn't work uh, about making audacious, huge, risky movies. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope we see more of these uh, and not not fewer as a result. The fact that these three filmmakers came together to tell this incredibly ambitious story, they put all their passion and belief into everything about it. I mean, I I give them all the credit as to making something that, yes, it may have had some issues, but honestly, it's, I mean, there's so much passion and love and excitement about what you can do with filmmaking on the screen that... I guess maybe that's why I'm more forgiving with it. Uh, you know, I, I see the problems that are there, but I'm just so excited that there are filmmakers doing something like this out there, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, that's my boy or something that is just, did that even need to be made? You know, I, I, I'm sure there are people who enjoyed it. I'm not one who will even watch it, but it, the fact that people are, are taking chances with this medium and doing something really unique and and large and um, putting a lot of thoughts and ideas and and just things into it. I it just really excites me. And so it may not do very well. Um, it may end up being a slow burn. Who knows? It may just be something that slowly keeps drawing people in and in. Who knows? It's hard to see. I'll, I'll know in my next lifetime. Um, how it did, but but for the time being, you know, I enjoy it. I'll definitely be watching it again, and it's definitely something that I uh, am excited about that's out there. Chad, I think yeah, I I you know I think last night watching it was very difficult because um, I have an ear infection right now. Not doesn't even know <laughs> for everybody. Hey, everybody have an ear infection, but uh, it was hard watching that. Uh, but I, I think I need to watch it again because of that. I just felt like it was hard to watch, but I feel like it was really ambitious and I do feel like there were moments in the film when it definitely was like, wow, this is a brand new way. Like, you know, you're so seeing the huge budget films that don't take you anywhere. And it's a lot of stuff that's just thrown in your face and you don't have to really engage your thought. 
And this is one of those things that does that. But also, it's not just a thinking movie. It's it's really more of a it really it really opens up a door for a new way for films to be made. I, when I was watching this, I was like, how interesting would it be? And I, I could totally see other filmmakers going, you know, this is just the beginning for films to be made in this new concept of, of us connecting, making connections in the film that excite us, that get us excited about, wow, wow, you know, that excitement that you had when you first started watching movies because when movies were first made, that's the connections we had. We're like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, very, very, you know, it's kind of, we hit this sort of like, you know, wall, I think, with that. And this is sort of opening that wall again where we can actually see movies where the actors are more engaging because you're wanting to know more about what, you know, they're, you know, these new discoveries that they're, they're actually really going through themselves, which is rare. You don't see that anymore, but also, you know, in this, this opens up a whole other plateau of time, space and the connections and different people, because I think that's the thing we want to see. We want to see, I think the reason why we like movies and we go back to them all the time is because it's not one person. It's a bunch. Like I loved the reason why Andy and I like Goonies, or the reason why you like movies where there's people in it. Is you like seeing other people succeed, or other people dealing with things in life that we all deal with. And so, I think this this movie is definitely one of those movies that has the possible the, the chance of becoming, like you said, a slow burn or a movie that over time people use this movie as sort of a benchmark in some ways, possibly to create other really fascinating movies. So it's it's a huge thing, I think. It was, yeah, it was bold. You know, one of the things that I keep having to kind of wrap my head around, Tom Hanks said in an interview that, you know, the way they conceive of this movie is that it is not Cloud Atlas. It's more or less Cloud Atlas 2.0, uh, that the book was was one thing. And this this really is a kind of a separate entity, this adaptation, interpretation of of the themes in, in the material are, are very different. I think that's, you know, certainly important for me to remember because I, you know, clearly judge it a little bit more harshly. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, anyway, I I think it's terrific. What is, so now we look we're uh, out of time. So the, where uh, Chad Stoops, where do you want people to uh, find you? Uh, yeah, you can go www.chadstoops.com. Um, and uh, more new things are are coming about. I've uh, definitely got a few um, comedy routines and things I'm going to be be posting. Hopefully. Um, as I go and present them at, at, at stand-up clubs here in the next month or two. Um, but uh, haven't been able to work on that as much. You can also watch Surrogate Valentine, as Pete said, on uh, on uh, Netflix. If you do have Netflix streaming, uh, I play a really annoying actor. <laughs> <laughs> Reprising his role on uh, movies we like. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, That's uh, horrible, Chad. I, I don't know. All the reviews Seriously, are like that. Could, I could never figure out if the review was like complimenting me. Like he did a really good like, job playing it. An yeah, exactly. Actor. Or you just really just uh, channeling yourself. Or it's just an really annoying cool. actor to watch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, so, well, congratulations uh, on that, man. That's really and cool. And also, also a new film I was in called uh, If We Were Adults is coming out. Uh, I don't know when that's coming out, but uh, comedy. Um, and also another a short film that's actually going to festivals right now called um uh called legend or it's called you were uh, in it, right? legacy legacy <laughs> i play an alcoholic cop it's good to know it stood out in your head <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. yeah it was awesome <laughs> real memorable right. andy nelson where uh, where do you want people to see you uh, people can find me at soda creek film 
and uh, on, on Twitter or Facebook and, of course, over at uh, Movies We Like on Facebook. Yeah, that's a good place to find me, too. I'm at Pete Wright on the Twitter. Please uh, follow me, hook up with me there or at, on Facebook. Pretty easy to find uh, on the show page. So uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, for hanging out and uh, uh, hearing us rant about uh, Cloud Atlas. Great film. Go see it. Yep. And uh, we'd love you to share your thoughts on our Facebook page. So head over yeah, to Facebook.com slash Movies We Like. That, as I say, is that. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Oh, what are we doing next time? What are we doing next time? Do we have another? Uh, we, we, haven't, be the we haven't. Or that, well, that's no, in. No, Skyfall. We, Skyfall? Are we yeah. doing Skyfall? Well, we got to look at our calendar and see. All right. I, I, think, I think you're out of town when we're doing Lincoln. Skyfall opens. We got to do Lincoln. Please, oh, let's do Lincoln. Hell. Okay, well, we go. Okay, so clearly we don't know yet. We're going to talk about it. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page to screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.